You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney Podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. The magic underwear is not working, and that's not our fault. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. We're like a 1-800 number almost. That's right. Welcome back to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney Podcast. We are back after a couple weeks hiatus guys uh i was out in hawaii really missed you out there for the polynesian bowl but <laughs> we are we are back and on the air we got some rankings to talk about so let me welcome in mike farrell and adam gorney guys um let's let's get right into it and talk rankings uh you know we had a, a big story with jt daniels reclassifying to the 2018 class so we'll get to that so mike just uh let me get your thoughts first on the new five stars and, and the rankings that came out today yeah, I think we should start with Trevor Lawrence staying number one. You know, a lot of people saying that he had a bad All-Star game, which, you know, he, he did have a rough and bumpy start to the All-Star game. But what he did on that last touchdown drive just shows how good he is and how good he's been throughout the body of work of his career. So there's really no question for us as to who number one was. He's Bell to Bell guy. And, uh, you know, I've thought about this, and, and Josh Rosen was the best quarterback I had scouted. Uh, in my whatever close to 20 years but Trevor Lawrence has supplanted him because of his size because of his mobility he's a little bit more mobile than Rosen was at the same stage he's got a stronger arm and he could fit the ball in Uh, Rosen is a great quarterback was a great high school quarterback led a few more fourth quarter comebacks than Lawrence did but uh, this kid is absolutely special Um, you know then there was the discussion should JT Daniels be number two and I know Gorney feels that Daniels is the best quarterback he's scouted, which includes Rosen. Um, I think it's a really special quarterback year with three of the top four um, of our rankings being quarterbacks. And it'll be interesting to see how these guys pan out. Justin Fields finished number two. Then we had the debate whether Amon Ross St. Brown should be ranked behind his teammate, JT Daniels, who's a year behind him, who reclassified. It was, there was a lot of discussion in the top four. Yeah, the thing that really stood out to me was, you know, some years you go through the top five, top 10, top 15, and you're like, eh, you know, I don't know where people should be placed or there's not really much of an argument because the group isn't that good. But this whole five-star group is absolutely loaded. I mean, all these guys showed up at their all-star games and the ones that participated were incredibly good. Um, Clearly the five-star guys that we had seen um, and, and they deserve those rankings. And I think at the top, there wasn't really much debate. I think Trevor Lawrence really had proven himself to be the number one player. I don't think anybody surpassed him, nor should they have. Um, you know, he was excellent all week during practice, had a little bit of a shaky start in the game, but really settled down and showed who he was. I think the, the real debate was two, three, four. You know, Monroe St. Brown is probably the most dominant high school player this year, um, probably the best receiver in at least a decade in California. <clears throat> I know Mike doesn't like California wide receivers, but – you know, there, there's pretty good ones out there, Michael Thomas and many others. Oh, you um, finally got but one. Amon... You got one to brag about. <laughs> I had to do my research. You finally got one. <laughs> but Amon Ross St. Brown was absolutely phenomenal in San Antonio. He was so good uh, that for about two or three days, that's all anybody was talking about out there, just how dominant he was. Uh, Justin Fields stayed number two, even though he didn't do anything, which is, is fine with me. I mean, he's a Georgia quarterback. He's going to Georgia. They've produced some pretty good ones through the years, and then JT Daniels moving from number one in 2019 to number four is 
hardly any drop at all, if, if, if any, because he was outstanding in San Antonio as well. But if you go down this list, Xavier Thomas, I absolutely love his you know, physical, mean spirit on the field. Micah Parsons, excellent. Yabi Anoma, another freak defensive end. Patrick Sertain, nobody ever beats him. Jamari Sawyer, you know, one of the toughest guards I've seen in a long time. You just go – and it's, it's really an excellent group. Deeper than 2019 by far. It's one of the deeper classes. I, I think maybe this is probably 2014 to me, which was a really, really good class. Obviously, a lot of those guys panned out in the draft. And, uh, you know, I might do a comparison between 2014 and, and and these guys, you know, taking a look at who the top quarterback was back then compared to who the top quarterback is here. Because that's the class that reminds me of. 2015 was solid class. Uh, 2016 was solid. Uh, 2017 was eh. It was okay. Um, but 2018, very, very deep. Now, there's a lot of question marks about some of these five stars. You know, uh, some of these guys have maturity issues. Um, you know, are they going to be patient enough to wait their turn? Uh, are we going to see a lot of transfers out of this group? Some of these guys are just starting to scratch the surface of their potential. Um, you know, will they hit a wall in their development? Some of these guys are very close to their ceiling. Um, so I think it's a very, very strong group, but I was going through all 33 of them for my column uh, on Tuesday and sort of looking at the bust factor for each. And uh, you know, the, I do it this way. There's, there's no high bust factor for a five-star. He wouldn't be a five-star if we felt he had a high bust factor, period. Um, you know, so it's really just low and medium for me because there's, there's no such thing as none. There's no such thing as the perfect prospect who's never going to bust out either. Um, I had a lot of mediums, a lot of guys that I was like, yeah, I could see him potentially being a bust, more than I expected in this class. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they pan out. The, the safest bet for me out of these 33 guys is, is Xavier Thomas. Um, that's the safest bet. I, I'm sure – my number two was Amon Ross St. Brown. I think both of them are going to be absolute superstars, uh, and they have the work ethic to be uh, excellent players. But Thomas, with his ability to play defensive end, or if that doesn't work out, he can play defensive tackle. Um, and he's just a nonstop motor guy. I, I think he has a chance to be Christian Wilkins, not quite as athletic, uh, but perhaps even more of a motor than Christian Wilkins at Clemson. The thing that really stands out to me in this class is the wide receivers. Um, a lot of them are short, you know, slot guys, get them out in space and make something happen. And I don't know if that's just the case this year or if it's more of a trend. Like the trend a few years ago was that outside linebacker defensive end hybrid or the, the corner who can move to safety or the safety who can move to linebacker and those kinds of things. And now, you know, you have Amon Ross St. Brown, who's probably about six feet tall. Uh, Jalen Waddle, on his on his best day, listed at five ten, probably about five nine. Darian Kendrick, I'd be hard pressed to believe he's six one. Mark Pope, hard pressed to believe he's six one. So you got these really speedy guys on the outside. Um, you do have some of your taller wide receivers, those prototypical NFL outside receivers like Justin Ross and Terrace Marshall and those guys. But it seems like, you know, the guys that have really dominated these All Star games. Kendrick was outstanding all week. Pope was very good all week. And we talked about St. Brown being the best all week. Um, you're getting these guys who get the ball out in space and make something happen. Um, and I think you're seeing that more, obviously more in college than ever before. And even now, 
much more in the NFL where you just get the guy the ball. Yeah, and then see Antonio Brown factor, and then you go you down know, the I mean, field. There's guys, you get your Julio Jones guys who are six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds, who are just physically dominant guys, but then you've got your Antonio Browns, um, you know, who who can just kill you as an outside viewer, as a slot receiver. Um, you know, I think the Patriots offense and watching them <clears throat> beat the Jaguars yesterday just shows how important those little guys are. I mean, Edelman obviously didn't play, but how successful he was, how successful Wes Walker was, and how these offenses are starting to go to the shorter passing game where some of these guys can put up big numbers and be very successful. You always want that 6'5 guy. You always want an A.J. Green type. You know, that's why we've got Justin Ross, you know, ranked so high, and Justin Shorter, who's absolutely huge, uh, higher than, than a Pope or a Waddle. But I think these guys, as the catch-and-run guys, can have a lot of success. Uh, it's a good mix, though, because Marshall is is a big kid. Shorter's huge. Ross is, is a big kid. Um, Amon Ross, certainly not a small kid at all. Um, you know, I think the Deshaun Jackson type, because he was one of our shortest five stars at wide receiver ever, and the Christian Kirk type, those those two are, are in the Mark Pope, Jalen Waddell, category um so you kind of hope they pan out uh obviously kirk panned out and and so did deshaun jackson but you know there's there's also Derek williams who was our number one guy way back i think in 2005 who you know had a average career at penn state and and didn't stick in the nfl for very long so it's risky to have those guys rank so high i think the strength here though uh of this you know particular class at least to me uh, is the defensive ends, um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm very big on defensive ends uh, you know, obviously it's, it's, we've seen it's, you know, from Clowney to 2011 and Dietschy 2013, and then having hand and Garrett one, two in 2014, and then Byron Cowart, which turned out to be a big mistake. Uh, number one in 2015, uh, a defensive end is still the position that I'm starting a football team with aside from quarterback and quarterbacks are so hard to project that there's probably going to be a three-star guy in this class that ends up being uh, the top pick in the NFL draft. That's just the way it works. But defensive end-wise, you know, Thomas, I've already mentioned how high I am on him. Anoba is an absolute, uh, Anoma is an absolute freak so fast. Once he fills out his frame, uh, he's going to be that speed rushing end uh, where Thomas is more of an edge, edge holder, strong side defensive end. Uh, Adam Anderson has been compared to Arden Key as a, a potential hybrid guy. Um, and then KJ Henry, who, you know, had a very good Under Armour week, but just sort of slid three spots because we had so many guys moving up to five stars. Uh, and Brenton Cox could be great. And the guy that I look at outside of our five stars is the top four star, Tyreek Smith. I think he's a star talent. I think he's a guy who could be one we look back on and say, why didn't we pull the trigger um, and, and see what's happened? Yeah, so I think it's no surprise that the guys right off of the five-star list, like Tyreek Smith, would be a guy. But Bray Walker is a guy we haven't seen a bunch of, but uh, he was good at the Polynesian Bowl. He was solid at Army, but he wasn't really a standout guy, but a 6'6", 320-pound offensive tackle. And he's all of 6'6", 320 pounds. That might be uh, a junior uh, height and weight because he was um, just a massive, just huge human being uh, in San Antonio. I think Marquis Spiker is a guy who's going to have a huge career at Washington. He set the California state record for receiving yards. 
Um, and then a few other ones that I that I like at the top of the list. Quay Walker, outside linebackers that go to Alabama are always first-round draft picks. Um, Blue Smith is a guy I think is going to be a star at Ohio State. Uh, and I think Houston Griffith at Notre Dame and Brennan Eagles at Texas has a real chance because the kid is really fast. He's got a, a kind of an odd running style. It, look, it doesn't look like he's as fast as he is, but he gets down the field, stretches it. He's a big outside wide receiver, uh, something Texas really needs in that offense. And so I think those are guys that we might look back one day uh, regretting not p- pulling the five-star trigger on. And we got two guys that lost the fifth star, Devin Williams, who was a freak athlete, just didn't seem like he cared at Under Armour and Honestly, his coach there wanted to trade him to the other team because he just wasn't trying at all. And, you know, that that worries you as, as a as a prospect. I mean, I don't know how he looked. How do you look at the poly bowl, Dave? Uh, you know what? He did look good. He um, the first couple of days he was injured. So, you know, there were like 12 guys that set out with injuries. So it was tough to really gauge those guys but the the one day that i got to see him in practice he he did look good i mean he's got the the frame you know to be a five-star receiver but uh i agree it, there may be some some want to issues there so we'll see with him yeah what i've always liked about devin williams is that he's incredibly tall he's pretty well put together strength wise he's not just long and lanky he really carries it well thing that I've always been concerned about with Devin Williams is just that ability with that killer instinct to go out and dominate things and seven on seven he really wasn't you know a guy that really absolutely dominated and took over Uh, he had big stats in his junior year his senior year uh, was marginal Um, so he's a guy that you know you have to question is he just uh, you know looks like Tarzan kind of guy um uh, the, the other part of that is plays like Jane, but I won't say I won't say that part. Um, but uh, he's a guy that, uh, for his size and ability, should ability should go out and dominate against everybody. Um, and sometimes he doesn't do that, so that's something that he's really going to have to focus on when he ends up at Oregon or USC to, to really be pushed to, to because he has that physical ability, he can take over and dominate things. He just doesn't do it consistently enough for me. And Anthony Cook lost his fifth star as well. Was uh, you know really struggled quite a bit with the speed of everybody out in San Antonio. And people will be like, "Well, how could you drop a guy from from five stars based on one week of performance?" I mean, if Emory Jones was a five star heading into the Under Armour week, he was so bad that he would have lost his fifth star as well. Um, we can do that because this is their chance to play against the best. You know, and we've seen them at the five-star challenge and, you know, the opening, and we've seen them at our regional camps go against great players. But this is in pads, uh, and if you're and you're consistently getting beaten by every wide receiver and you're holding all the time and uh, you're, you're just a constant penalty waiting to happen, we can question your speed and, and your ability to cover at the next level. He could end up being a safety. Uh, if he can't work out at corner, but he dropped 46 spots down to 54. That was the biggest drop uh, of pretty much anybody, uh, especially the five-star guys, and uh, I'm sure Texas fans aren't thrilled with that. Um, You know, they did get Caden Stearns as a five-star, you know, uh, but the defensive back group at at Texas still looks great, you know, with B.J. Foster and and DeMario Overshone and, and those guys. It's just that Cook really left a lot to be desired out there. 
Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, that, one of the best things about these events, Under Armour and Army, especially being, you know, the same week, I, you know, for two years ago, I think it was back-to-back weeks, and there was a lot of burnout factor just, you know, after going to, going to Ar- Under Armour for eight days and then going to Army for eight days, you just felt like, you know, you just weren't watching as closely as you should. But, you know, you saw Patrick Sertain in San Antonio. Taylor Stewart was in San Antonio. Buki was in San Antonio. Elijah Griffin was in at Under Armour. And so you're comparing these guys and contrasting them to Cook, who really struggled. You know, Jalen Green was on the same field as Anthony Cook, and Jalen Green looked like a better football player. It was obvious which one was better, who could turn and run with receivers, who was winning 50-50 balls, who was shutting down their side of the field where the quarterback wasn't looking. Um, you know, these quarterbacks are pretty smart kids. When a corner is struggling, uh, they're going to target and pick on him. And that's what they did with Cook in San Antonio. He just has, he's an athletic kid and he's good at the line of scrimmage. But once he has to turn and run and k- keep up with receivers, he loses them. He's two or three steps behind. So moving to safety might be an option. He's going to have to bulk up if that's the case. Um, you know, we're working on that speed. You know, I, I think... It was just evident that Tyson Campbell and Buki and uh, Sertain, I'm not going to put Taylor Stewart in that list just yet, um, even though he's a five-star because uh, he took some time off and was standing on the sidelines a little bit too much for my liking. But Elijah Griffin was a was a killer at, at Under Armour uh, for at least a day or two. So you, you compare these guys during the same week in the very similar setting, uh, and you come to a conclusion that some guys are just better than others. And tight end was an interesting one as well. We didn't have anybody we thought was close to a five-star tight end, but Luke Ford finishing number one. Uh, you know, a lot of people have Jeremy Ruckert at number one, but we had Brevin Jordan right behind him. Um, you know, if Brevin Jordan were six foot four or six foot three, I think he could be a five-star guy, Evan Ingram type. Um, he's not that tall, uh, but he is just a fantastic football player and very, very fast. He moved up 60 spots. Of course, for Miami fans, that's not nearly enough. Uh, they wanted him as a five-star. And and Luke Ford is just a very, very tall uh, kid. Now, you know, Georgia used to produce tight ends like crazy. Uh, that hasn't happened as far as development uh, in, in quite a few years. Isaac Nata still hasn't broken out. Um, but you know, this kid's an absolute weapon, and uh, I would imagine that he's going to get a lot of play there uh, when it comes to a big target. So will Brevin Jordan have a better career than Ford? Will Ruckert uh, have a better career than both of them? We're not really sure, but tight end was definitely one we discussed quite a bit. Yeah, Luke Ford is a legit 6'7". Uh, he's a huge target, and I think this, more than anything, is a credit to Kirby Smart and his recruiting ability uh, because Isaac Nata was a very highly sought after tight end, very highly ranked, and he's been basically non-existent in that Georgia offense. They don't really throw to tight ends much. Um, you know, when you have Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, you don't really have to. Um, but for Luke Ford, the top tight end in the country to pick Georgia when, <clears throat> you know, the top tight end Isaac Nata picked Georgia and doesn't get the ball thrown to him. I think that's a real credit to Kirby's recruiting ability. Ruckert, he's an athletic kid. Um, but, uh, you know, the, tra- the transition from Long Island football to elite level national competition, I think, set him back a little bit. Brevin Jordan, I've always liked. I thought he's a very, you know, fluid, athletic tight end, can be a mismatch problem. But the reservation uh, we've had with him has been his height. And so, 
you know, I think he can overcome that at Miami. I think he's going to be very special in that offense. Um, you know, they've, they've produced tight ends, obviously, for many, many years. Um, and so I think Brevin Jordan definitely stepped up his game. Uh, but Luke Ford at 6'7 is that prototypical NFL tight end. You know, you have Zach Ertz yesterday putting up nice numbers, taking his team to the Super Bowl. All, you always have big-time tight ends like that across the league. Um, and so Brevin Jordan, three or four years down the road, might have better stats, uh, but we'll see who's drafted first. Um, I think Brevin Jordan definitely has a chance to be very special at Miami and in the NFL. But I think, you know, the, the talk around Brevin Jordan in three or four years will be that he's 6'1 or 6'2, and that could be a concern. Another one is controversial is Asante Samuel. You know, Florida State fans obviously wanting him to be a five-star. He, you know, stayed right around the range. He, he, he was 46th in the country in our latest rankings and was very good at Under Armour. Was who we thought he was. And oftentimes when... When you are who we think you are, you're you're either going to stay where you are ranked or slide a little bit because other people will move ahead of you. Um, so with so many new five stars, he slid seven spots. But that's that's what we call you know irrelevant um, as far as a slide. Uh, he's a top 50 player in the country, just not very tall. And you know you could make the argument that Radley Hiles isn't very tall either, and and you know obviously Vernon Hargraves wasn't very tall. And he was drafted very high, although he's been horrible in the NFL, uh, as I predicted he would be. But, um, you know, it's interesting because you got Radley Hiles at 17 and you got Asante Samuel at 46. It's not a huge difference, but one's a five-star. Uh, one's going to Oklahoma where they play wide-open football and it's harder for a corner, uh, I think, to, to be a standout. One's going to Florida State where they have a tremendous reputation for defensive backs, uh, obviously with Xavier Rhodes and, and Jalen Ramsey as, as two of the tops in the NFL. But we don't consider that. We don't look at that. And the reason we don't look at that is because coaches change, styles change. We've got a whole new coaching staff at Florida State. Um, we, we've got, you know, a new head coach at Oklahoma. And who knows what's going to happen in their four years when it comes to defensive styles at those particular schools. So, uh, but I get that, that Florida state fans are upset about Asante Samuel. Um, you know, uh, Jalen green's not very tall either and he's a terrific football player as well. Um, not as short as Asante Samuel, but there's a lot of guys I think in this class, you know, in the, in the 35 to, you know, 55 range, even maybe into the 65, 75 range that, are terrific players uh, that could end up being better players than their ranking. And and just a side note on that, if you're in the top 100, you're a pretty damn good football player. Uh, you know, you can't be unhappy being ranked Asante Samuel's 46th in the entire country. Um, that's that's not too bad. That means you're going to go to Florida State and have a, a chance to be special from day one. Um, you know, I think we've entered a, a world where if you're a high four star now, you're, you're kind of disappointed and underranked and not respected enough and all those kinds of things that we hear all the time. But, um, you know, those are pretty special football players and yeah, B Buki is undersized. Um, but that kid hits like a Mack truck and nobody wants to go up against him because he's all in your face every single second. And he's more physical than most safeties out there. Um, except for Tyreek Johnson, who's going to be a targeting 
concern every single play in, in college because he could have been kicked out of every practice in San Antonio for probably targeting somebody. Um, but, you know, in, in that setting, I kind of like that physical nature. I like that he was no nonsense and he went out there. There are some kids who go to these events and I think Dave saw it out in Hawaii that like to stand on the sidelines and not do anything and not prove themselves. And he was out there smashing people around the field. So I like, I like that kind of, uh, mentality. Um, but he has to watch himself because he's going to be, uh, flagged for a lot of plays. And, and I've seen this in the, in college, especially, uh, but also in the NFL, once you get that reputation of a guy that's headhunting, refs are going to be out there to, to throw that flag immediately, even if you're not doing it. So, um, you know, I, th- I think corner is a very interesting group um, because you do have Sertain, who I think is clearly the number one corner. He's a prototypical NFL cornerback. Um, but then you do have some of these undersized guys like Buki, um, who on a good day is 5'10". Uh, and, you know, down the road, will that be a, a concern or a question mark uh, for, for NFL teams? Probably. Um, but Elijah Griffin isn't much, much taller and he's very he's much leaner. Uh, Asante Samuel is small. Isaac Taylor Stewart's a guy who probably looks the best. He and Sertain probably look the best. Um, but Isaac Taylor Stewart needs to go out there every single second and prove himself uh, as a guy that wants to shut down people and, and knock people around and shut down his side of the field. And so uh, it's an interesting cornerback group. Very, very talented up and down the list. I love Jalen Green. I thought he's a very special player in San Antonio. I think you know, down the road, so many people have been talking about Anthony Cook as being the best player in the state for so long. But I think Jalen Green could be a guy that goes there and really earns that reputation as being the best player in this recruiting class. And so, you know, you have Al Blades. You just go down the list of all kinds of different sizes and shapes um, and skill sets, but all very, very talented players. And then two guys I think are going to be very interesting, 62 and 63, Joey Gatewood and Matt Corral quarterback position, Gatewood moving up 79 spots to number 62, having a tremendous uh, Under Armour game, had a very good week overall in practice. He started off practice, you know, looking at his first read and then tucking and running every time, and then he developed throughout the week of going through his progressions a little bit more, and when the lights came on, he had a, a very solid game. So a lot of people who think he's a running quarterback first and can't really throw uh, were proven wrong, and then Corral had a pretty good week out of at army um you know and uh is a guy that that's been talked about on this podcast numerous times uh, super talented kid um so what did you see of him out there uh, he moved up 11 spots to 63 yeah i saw matt corral a bunch during his senior season um and against good competition he threw interceptions uh he had four interceptions against mission viejo three against sarah and they weren't tipped balls and they weren't uh, the receiver's fault. I mean, he just made bad decisions, but <clears throat> and that's been the concern uh, with Matt Corral. And, uh, you know, can he rein it in and, and throw the ball away instead of trying to make a special play? Sometimes, you know, most of the time a quarterback's decision-making is because he thinks he's got the arm to fit it into a really tight window and he doesn't, and it gets picked off. Um, but, but in San Antonio, he had, he was much more of a better decision maker. Uh, he didn't make bad throws. Uh, he was super athletic. There's never been a question about Corral's athleticism or his arm strength uh, or his ability to prolong plays by getting out of the pocket. He's probably better throwing on the run. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Sam Darnold in that way. When Darnold sits in the pocket, he's not that great. But when he gets out and kind of can create, that's where Corral is extra special. 
Um, and if he continues to mature uh, on and off the field as a quarterback and goes to Ole Miss and really focuses in, he'll have the ability. Um, he has the ability to be something special in the SEC and make Ole Miss maybe some sort of contender in the SEC West. We'll see how sanctions play into this and how everything goes with with everything that's been going on there. Uh, we'll see what happens. But Matt Corral is is absolutely a very talented, talented player uh, when his decision-making is on point. And by the time you hear this, you know, the Rivals 250 could have been released. So I, I'm going to give you four guys that I really like near the top of the Rivals 250. All of them defensive, P.J. Must, Mustafer, uh, Dante Stills, uh, Connus Miller, and Nesta Silvera. I think um, there's a lot of value there at that particular position, which is a hard position to recruit. Not exactly a loaded position in this class. When you look at defensive tackle um, in the in the 2018 class, usually we have you know multiple defensive tackles up near the five star or in the five star range. Uh, I'm looking at the spreadsheet right now, and I don't see one. Uh, the highest-ranked defensive tackle appears to be Rick Sandage, who's at 45 in the country. Uh, Teron Vincent at 40. Teron Vincent at 40, that's right. So you got 40 and 45, uh, but you don't really have a lot of guys up near the top. And I think that position is going to be <clears throat> obviously coveted in the NFL. Uh, these guys go off to their particular schools, have big years, uh, and I think they could be – Terrific football players. P.J. Musper was very good at Under Armour. Connus Miller was okay during practice, but very active during the game uh, and, and was terrific. And uh, I think, you know, obviously I wasn't at Army, so I didn't I didn't get to see, um, you know, Nesta Silvera, but watched him in the game, and, and he was extremely athletic um, and a kid that, that obviously impressed you guys quite a bit. So, um, you know, that's a position – I think this class is weakened, and I think those four guys could be guys to watch for. Yeah, Silvera was outstanding. You know, he, you know, at these events, you sit in the stands and you watch, and you're going, "Who's number sixty-three on this team?" And you just keep looking back and looking back, and obviously, he wasn't wearing sixty-three; he was wearing something higher, but ninety-two or whatever. And it was Nesta Silvera. Nesta Silvera, he was constantly around the ball, constantly active always in, always, you know, never taking any plays off, very, very active all week. I thought uh, Jason Adam Alola, the Notre Dame signee from Jersey City, I thought he was incredibly active. And a guy who kind of played inside and outside, and that versatility could be special for him down the line. And then Tommy Togiai was phenomenal, I thought. He was just um, all over the place, a huge kid, at least 300 pounds, uh, six, three, I'd, I'd put him about six, three, three Oh five, but super athletic and fast. Um, you know, just dominated centers and guards all week long. Uh, and in Pocatello, Idaho, he's not really facing elite competition, but he went down to San Antonio and did really, really well. And as we all know, Ohio state knows how to develop defensive linemen. He could be a special one down the line too, that we look back and say, wow. Uh, you know, we, we always love those Polynesian defensive linemen and he could have been in the one. Uh, that was really, really special in this class. And a position I'm not sold on is offensive tackle. Uh, Nick Petit Frere is definitely our number one guy. He moved from non-five-star up to number one at offensive tackle. He's an athletic freak. He was actually on special teams in the Under Armour game making tackles. And he's a guy that I could see you could flip him to defense and he'll be an outstanding defensive tackle uh, or even defensive end. Um, just super athletic, great frame to fill out. 
Jackson Carmen, I'm not sold on. I'm not sure if he's going to end up being a guard. I'm not, I'm not sold on. Not sure if he's going to be a guard. Um, you know, Bray Walker's massive and huge, but he looks like he's got to be a right tackle. Uh, Panay Sewell and, and Dillon Scaife, both very good players, um, but they don't really wow you. So when you're looking up and down, Rasheed Walker is, is the last 6.0 offensive tackle we have there as well. Not a great year at offensive tackle for 2018. For such a class that's so talented up and down, it's kind of weird that defensive tackle and offensive tackle aren't loaded with uh, with top players. So we might see hopefully a little bit more of that in 2019. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Jackson Carmen was a guy who is, is just massive. Um, but you don't know. I think he has the feet to play offensive tackle. But when you look at him, uh, you could easily say offensive guard. And I think that's something that we debated a little bit and tossed around. Um, will he move inside in the ACC? I think he has the feet and the speed to stay outside. He's certainly physical enough, um, but moving inside or outside, he should he should be really good. Bray Walker will be an interesting one. I hope we don't look back and regret not making him a five-star because he's just so big. Um, and Oklahoma, like we discussed um, in recent days, Oklahoma has really been developing you know, Orlando Brown was really not a, a highly, highly talented kid coming out of high school, but they really developed him. Drew Samia out of N- Northern California was a little bit of a question mark, um, like kind of on that three, four star fringe. Uh, he wasn't phenomenal at UCLA's summer camp, so we kind of went a little conservative on him. He's been very, very good there. And so they're developing offensive linemen um, more and more. So Bray Walker could be a pretty special prospect down the line but a lot of these guys Panay Sewell a lot of the guys think he's going to move inside we'll see um but yeah definitely not a special special group here a lot of big physical strong kids but a lot of those fringe offensive tackle offensive guard bodies yeah and like I said there's a quarterback out there somewhere who's a three-star I'm not sure who he is who's going to be that next guy um maybe he's not even a three-star maybe he's a two-star or isn't even ranked but uh that's just the way the position works. It's the best quarterback class we've seen in quite some time. Um, you know, even some of the guys, like we mentioned, Gatewood and, and Corral, who aren't five stars. Dorian Thompson Robinson's another one who's very talented. But somewhere down there, there's going to be a guy. I'm not sure who it is, uh, but uh, plenty of quarterback talent. If you didn't get a good one this year, I'm not sure if you're going to get one in 2019. Because 2019 looks very weak at the quarterback position. Running back is a good position as well. Wide receiver is always deep in every year, it seems. Um, and cornerback is always deep in every year as well. So it's an interesting class. I think we could put a bow on it and, and really just sort of stop talking about it now that it's finally released. You know, the 250 comes out on Tuesday. We'll have the four stars outside of the 250 as well as the position rankings on Wednesday. Uh, and then we can move on to 2019. I think we might even be meeting next week on 2019. i got to ask you guys about that, but uh, I know nobody wants to do that. That's great to hear. Yeah, 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 I know. But, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you got to do it. you gotta, you got to get these, uh, these rankings done. We always do one in February for 2019, or for the rising seniors, so to speak, current juniors. And uh, it just never ends, never stops. But this is a bow on this particular class. And you know, there's plenty of accolades you could give to these guys. And we're going to look back on some of these five stars and be like, what were we thinking? Uh, you know, there'll be a Derek Green in here somewhere. 
you know, that type of five star is just like, what happened? Why, why didn't he become good? Uh, who had fully reached his ceiling? And then, you know, there'll be a, a Blake Bortles a quarterback that goes, I think he went in the top 10 in the draft, who, yeah. uh, you know, was a three-star kid, didn't have any offers from Power 5 schools, went to UCF, uh, got himself a nice little career there. And not that he's a superstar or anything like that, but uh, turned out to be a first-rounder and led his team to the AFC Championship game. So we'll see who that quarterback is. But I'm getting plenty of notifications of messages, people calling us stupid for keeping Trevor Lawrence at number one, people calling us very, very stupid for not having uh, uh, Brevin Jordan as a five-star Um you know, it's just going to be that today all day long. So I got to get back to uh, our fans and let them know how much we love their team. <laughs> I t- tell them in two years, Mike, Trevor Lawrence is going to be tearing up the ACC. They'll Maybe remember it when they doubted you. Yeah. Just, I think it yeah, will it be. be my, I, I, that's my prediction that he starts at Clemson next year. Just freaky like, good. Like that Kelly really? Bryant led his team to the. Uh, college football playoff, but that's that's as far as he goes because there's no guarantees in anything. Jalen Hurts was 25 and two as a starter, and he just lost his job. Maybe. So then uh, does does Hunter Johnson transfer? Then I think so. I mean, Zarek. Uh, I, I was looking at the list when I was making that argument, and uh, Kelly Bryant, Zarek Cooper, and Hunter Johnson are already on the on the roster, and Trevor Lawrence is coming in. So. Three of those guys are not going to be playing next year, and, and that would be the second year in a row for Johnson. And if I'm right, the th- third year for Zara Cooper? Is well, that he's right, gone. Mike? He just announced he's transferring. So, Oh, I did not see that. So he's transferring. I believe Hunter Johnson will transfer. I hope he goes to a place like Indiana where he can put up big numbers and be the next Nate Sudfeld who took the knee for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the, the, the hometown team, Mike. Of Adam Gorney, yeah, is going to the Super Bowl. Now you get to lose to uh, New England. <laughs> I would like to say this though for the the Brevin Jordan detractors uh, who who claim we're idiots. There have been eight five star tight ends in the entire history of rivals, and then seven high school uh, tight ends in the high, in the entire history of rivals, um, including Greg Olson, Kyle Rudolph, and Martellus Bennett, who are you know, pretty have had pretty good NFL careers. Um, so let's not act like we're just handing out five-star tight ends every single second uh, and every year. And none of them, none of them have been, of the high school guys, have been shorter than 6'6", except for Isaac Nada, who was 6'4", and was just an absolute beast in high school. So it's not exactly like, uh, so Brevin Jordan if we gave him the five-star ranking, we would have to believe that he was the best tight end under 6'4", and the second best tight end under 6'6", in the last 15 years. And so uh, I'm not sure we're there yet. And so his ranking, I think, is probably justified. Well, the only right. people that care are Miami fans. I think yeah, he I signed. So if he hadn't signed and committed and he flipped to UCLA, they wouldn't care. So. But I knew that would be a tough one. I knew Silvera would be a tough one as well because, you know, he played very well all week. And he came outside the 250 to his ranking, which will appear tomorrow. But whatever. Um, he can't please everybody. Uh, the only person who's happy with his ranking is the number one player in the country. And uh, we put a bow on 2018. And uh, I'm going to miss this class, honestly. I think it's a really, really good class. 
and I think it's the best since 2014. So, uh, you know, 2019 is not, not thrilling me so far. We'll see. There's gonna have I'll to tell be you what, 2020 out here is, is absolutely phenomenal. There are at least four or five stars right now, and we'll move on from there. But uh, let's do 2020 top 100 uh, alphabetical, Mike. Let's get it going. Well, that'll be March, so we got to meet on that too. So there's no rest for the weary. Thank goodness we had an early signing period, which you were completely against, because now signing day won't kill us, and we'll be able to uh, focus on the 2019 ranking. So let's get out of here. This is a fairly short one, and let's see if how many technical difficulties we have with this bad boy. <laughs> well, yeah, see, see how much editing I get to do. All right, we'll, we'll get out of here. Uh, like Mike said, we have the – the next signing day coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll see. There's not many guys on this this Rivals 100 that are uncommitted, but we'll find out where they're going to end up. So we'll probably talk about that in the next next week or the week after. So with that, we will get out of here. You can find us on Twitter as always at Rivals Mike, at Adam Gorney, and at Real Dave Barry. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>